Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live. F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? It is going exceedingly well. How about yourself? No race, but still things to talk about. Yeah, things to talk about. I was very disappointed. I got a notification on my smartwatch. That's right. I'm a smartwatch kind of guy that said Matt Post, Matt Trumpets has posted something on Instagram because he'd not posted for a while. So it was worthy of a, a thing. And I clicked on it and it wasn't even Trumpets related. It was about you having a lovely family vacation in an orchard and it looked idyllic. And people should go and follow you on Instagram at MattPT55. Yeah, they should. When I can get my act back together, I will post regularly. I have cars, I have trumpets, and then I have the occasional, you know, trip that we take. And and that was a longstanding family tradition that thankfully was able to carry on this year. Yeah, and, and I'm posting on my Instagram more too, so search for Spanners Ready. And the reason we're doing all of these moderny things is because we, we hang around with a young influencer by the name of Christopher Abraham Stevens. Hello, Christopher. Oh, God, I knew you were going to do this. What full name with you. The, with adding the Topher at the end of my name. It's just such a horrible, horrible name. I love the um, I love the full name nickname. I love that. We, we knew a guy called John Morell, and his nickname was John Morell, and he hated it, and he made the mistake of telling us he hated it. Can I just, for the record, say my middle name is not Abraham? <laughs> I nearly said Christopher Abraham uh, Stevens Esquire. That's a somebody somebody <laughs> out there will think my middle name is Abraham. They're gonna be they're gonna be Google searching me. Let's let's get on with some F1 news. That's all of a very silly and relaxed start. Sorry, we slipped into uh remain indoors podcast mode there. But we do have a couple of it's it's not a scattergun of news this week, Matt, is it? There's um there's a few big topics to explore and of course we can look forward to portamal 
yeah, well, Port Em Out could be an entire show unto itself because nobody knows what to expect except for the track is fantastic looking. And yeah. since none of the teams have been there, there could be some exciting and real surprises. Yeah, man. We'll do a full preview at the end, but now it's time for... Big Dirty News. Where should we start? Round and round the news wheel goes. Where it stops, only Matt Trumpets knows. And Matt, just to point out to the listeners that you do a lot of work compiling these new shows and finding all the facts and research and stuff. That's very much your role uh, on this show. In case anyone thinks that I do any research, I want to put paid to that. So thank you for putting this show together. Where should we start? Uh, we should probably start with the fact that Robert Kubica got a podium in DTM. No, wait, sorry. You wouldn't allow that, would you? No, it's not F1 related. But nice to see that Robbo's doing well. I bet he is a, he is a test driver for Alfa oh, Romeo, okay, as I recall. True. Alfa Romeo, is he? Oh, okay. Well, there you go then. So well done, Robert Kubica. And um, nice for the, the Polish Robert Kubica fans. But I assume you're going to go engines first. I assume. Well, it's, it's not just engines. We are used to, on almost an annual, if not biannual, or tri- or quadra-annual basis, to hearing that Ferrari is ready to take all their toys and walk away from the sport yet again because they're not getting what they want. But this year, it's not Ferrari. It's Red Bull have issued a, well, you know, a veiled threat to the powers that be at the FIA that if they don't get what they want, they and their junior team might just go find some other sport to play in. Well, I don't know, Chris, I know like Ferrari make threats all the time, but Ferrari are much more intertwined with F1. Although like Red Bull have been a part of this sport for a long time and a big part of it and always top competitors, you do feel that like they are a brand that can move away from F1. Like it would, you think it would really hurt Ferrari too, but Red Bull could plow that advertising and marketing and cash elsewhere exactly if ferrari leaves formula one ferrari is more hurt than formula one because ferrari exists to race in formula one to sell road cars whereas red bull you know we we sometimes forget it's just a drinks company and this is a great marketing scheme but they can go and do it elsewhere and the thing about a red bull quit threat that should be taken so much more seriously than a Ferrari quit threat is that they don't just have two cars. They have four cars. That's 40% yeah. of the grid. And they are responsible for the Austrian Grand Prix as well. The Red Bull ring. It's there because Red Bull won it there. So we're not just talking about uh, two teams. We're talking about a whole event as well. Right. And I think an even bigger reason to take them seriously is the fact that they have indeed left other series before when they haven't been happy with their results. So unlike Ferrari, they have a history of actually following through on these sorts of threats. But the good news is the reason they are threatening the FIA is the fact that their number one preferred option at this point is to indeed take up that Honda engine and carry forward with its development. Only it turns out that's really expensive. So they would very much please like all engine development to be frozen as of 2022. So they don't have to spend a lot of money on it. And of course... Who is the team that stood in their way? Ferrari, who want to keep developing engines because they're the ones trying to move forward with their engine. That that's that's so funny. The you know Red Bull are calling for that now. The the other teams must be going like. For, well, firstly, I suppose Ferrari must be just going absolutely not because we're in trouble. 
Yeah, well, this gets into the this gets into the nuts and bolts of the thing, which is, of course, the bits that I find interesting. Yeah. Mercedes is fully on board. They're like, yeah, sure, let's freeze the engines, but that's because they have a massive advantage, and then it would just be baked in from that point on. Renault are like, we could see the appeal of this. However, however, it would be important that we are all within about 10 brake horsepower. And Ferrari are like, what are you kidding me? Engines are more important than aerodynamics. It's an important part of the sport. <laughs> yeah. So why would we ever want to freeze it ever? And uh, so, and they have, they still have a veto. So let's not kid ourselves about the fact that they could really put the kibosh on this if they chose to. I have no problem with them putting an engine freeze in that circumstance. We need to get some sort of parity, close to parity at least first. Otherwise, it's just going to be a, a bit of a mess. And especially if it's just a case of, look, we need to just, just tide ourselves over until the new engine regs come in. I mean, you think back to the V8 era. When did we ever talk about engines? The biggest V8 story was when Renault were cutting cylinders to improve traction and fuel efficiency. But other than that, what was the great big, you know, V8 uh, silver bullet that that put a team ahead? There wasn't one, really. Exhaust blown diffusers, right? Yeah, but that wasn't really an engine thing, was it? Can you count that oh. as an engine thing? It was an exhaust aerodynamic. Yeah, because you piece. needed to keep the engine running to blow the exhaust when you were off throttle. But which, even then, that yeah. was like an electrical thing to keep the throttle kind of 5% open or something, wasn't it? You know, I mean, yeah, obviously the engine was tied in there, but it wasn't like you know, oh, we lay out our engine this way and we've gained 50 horsepower doing it or something like that. Well, I mean, you can argue um, about that and, and we have briefly. Yeah. And, and But what's interesting to me is that even if Red Bull take it over and they have the facilities, they can continue to produce the engines. There are other flies in the proverbial ointment. And, and one thing that has been posited already is that the new engine regulations be brought forward. But even if they're not, you're looking at um, a separate issue. And I think this is where you really do run into trouble. And that uh, Formula One has said that uh, by 2022, they want to be using 20% biofuel, which here I, I'm not sure exactly what they mean by biofuel. I knew what they used to mean by biofuel. It was a synthetic fuel made from carbon captured with a biosynthetic precursor before they turn it into isooctane, which they would then use in the engine. Um, in 2023, they what? want to be 100% carbon dioxide neutral. And okay. the big issue here is that if they are going to do that, according to those that know things, it's going to require an entire redesign of the cylinder head. So even if you freeze the engines, the first thing you're going to have to do is entirely redesign the cylinder head, which is not a small thing. I've got a, a broader question here, listening very intently and interestingly to what you two are saying and mad biofuel, something, something, something. Um, more about the fabric of the sport with these regulations. Like Chris is talking about, we have to come to engine parity before a freeze. So what's the point? I mean, what's the point? Is the, is the question that's sitting in my craw here. If we are trying to get to a place where the engines are comparable and then we're going to freeze it, we what are we doing? We're manufacturing a spec engine series, aren't we? Let's get all the engines to the same horsepower, then freeze it, and then we've got a spec engine series. It's either an engine competition or we want engines to not be a part of it. So what have we got, Matt? Have we got an engine horsepower war or... Or do we want spec engines? 
all horsepower is not created equally. How they get to that horsepower matters a lot okay. in terms of drivability, in terms of how your torque curve works, in terms of a million different, in terms of reliability, efficiency, in terms of everything else. But what we do have, okay. if we were to say, for example, Mercedes is the benchmark, when you can show us on a dyno, you are plus or minus 10 brake horsepower, you are no longer allowed to make changes to your engine until or unless the FIA say that you have somehow magically fallen yeah. behind because ultimately what will happen is they'll change parts for reliability that magically will improve performance. This always happens, by the way. But what you do have is the parametric regulations I was talking about last week where you've described a parameter and allowed people to independently find what works best for them. And that is actually kind of interesting. Okay, so I, I think my, my sort of broader point there is that, okay, you're right horsepower can be delivered in different ways and and different across the ICE and the hybrid parts but it's like saying Ferrari with their low downforce package can do a certain lap time Red Bull with their high downforce package can do a certain time but they go about their racing different ways because of that so let's just say broadly equal engines to the point where it's not a disadvantage to run a Ferrari power unit it's not a disadvantage to run a, a Mugen power unit Chris but then, like I said, if we're artificially ending that battle, but then, but but somehow as fans, we want that battle only to end when they're on a par. What's what's the point? May as well have spec engines. Well, let's say you put an engine freeze on now. What would be the point in taking a, a Ferrari engine or a Renault engine, aside from maybe sheer cost? If you were to put an engine freeze in now, everyone's going to migrate to Mercedes. And we're going to get a spec engine anyway, apart yeah. from Renault and Ferrari. Well, I think we should just do that. But Matt, there's an interesting comment in the in the chat. I don't know if that's what you're waving frantically at me for, but it's a DJ Opdan. Oh, I hope he really is a DJ. Uh, engine regulation freeze isn't a development freeze. Uh, engine regulation freeze and development freeze. What are the difference between those two things? Well, regulations would mean the regulations don't change. Development would mean you're not allowed to change your engine. But my understanding of what Red Bull are asking for would be a development freeze. Right. Okay. Once you reach this point, you're not allowed to change your engine. And that would Good. be the regulation. But what I'm enjoying here quite a bit is that you are actually making Ferrari's argument for them. Oh, no. Am I on Ferrari's side by accident? Well, I obviously didn't you mean are, that. You because you were saying that, well, you're taking away a yeah. 50% of the car wars that mm -hmm. we all tune into Formula One to see, because there will be no more real engine competition. Again, aside from, and this is why Red Bull want to make their own package, uh, want to make their own engine, is because the packaging matters in terms of the aerodynamics, and how the power is delivered matters in terms of drivability um, to, the, to, to the different teams. So you get power differently from a Ferrari engine delivered versus a... Um, versus uh for say a uh, mercedes or or a honda engine and each team will have already adapted a lot of what they do and they will work with their engine manufacturer and this is ultimately red bull's point we can't win if we're buying Ren renault engines because they're packaged to make the renos the best yeah not the red bulls we need someone who will work with us so that we can be so that we can win championships well it's funny isn't it because it always has been part of the f1 war to build the best engine like it's always been, oh, we've got a great power unit in the back. Oh, um, you know, we can switch over to get that that engine because that's looking great. And I don't think anyone's ever minded it. It's just the hybrid era. It's it's become much harder to make that engine competitive. And Mercedes just came out of the box and set this bar. So let's say uh, it was a scale of one to ten, 
on how good you could be with an old style power unit or engine, as they used to call them kids. They used to be called engines. Now with the hybrids, it's like one to 40, you know, and, and Mercedes came straight in there with a 30 and they're developing up to a 40. And like Chris, you know, no other engine manufacturer has really got close except for Ferrari. And what did Ferrari have to do? They had to fudge and fiddle with the with the ICE part, with the internal combustion part, to really get anything out of that hybrid engine. That's all because of the complexity of the, of the power units these days. Before, with a 2.4-litre V8, it was relatively simple, um, especially when you know the only electrical component was 30 brake horsepower's worth of, of KERS, which only lasted yeah. seven seconds of the lap as well. It wasn't even... You know, considered all that all that difficult by comparison, and uh, with the with the complex nature, not just the the ERS, but the 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 MGUH as well, which is the kind of big stickler, the thing that I think the manufacturers hate the most. Um, which is why they're looking at a more simple option potentially for twenty twenty six. But you've got to keep that that relevance in there, otherwise, what are the manufacturers doing here? No, they, they don't hate the MGUH. It's just amazingly expensive to engineer and build. And the only people who can afford to do it are the people who are in the sport as both engine manufacturers and as a manufacturer's team. And this is where we really see that Honda ran afoul of things. Um, there's a, a lovely article, I believe it was in the race, about Honda leaving. And, and the big distinction here is if I am a team in Formula One and I finish third, I get buttloads of prize money and participation money. But if I build engines for two teams, what do I get? Oh, I get some nice stickers and a mention on a car. And I'm limited to selling yeah. my engines for 15 mil per annum. And, and uh, Toto Wolf said that when he came in, first came into the sport in Williams in 2009, Williams were paying 20 mil instead of 15. So not only can I not sell for enough to get any money back, like I'm, I'm going to lose money on this no matter what, I'm also not eligible for any prize money at all. So it, uh, what's really been illuminated here for all the talk of the engines are too complex, the, the real problem is there's not a separate engine manufacturer's competition that will also pay manufacturers to be in the sport independent of a team. So the question I would be asking um, Honda, especially after they leave, because then they can kind of talk about whatever they want, um, would be what were you getting from Red Bull in return? Okay, you get a flat fee for your engine. Okay. Did you get a kind of a, a bonus per win? Did you get a bonus for you know uh, the uh, constructor's uh, position uh, what yeah. what was the enticing thing in there and i mean i can totally see if they weren't getting at those things there's no wonder they've left yeah i i do wonder with uh, with honda whether it was um it was just it was more things that weren't really part of f1 that that's what it feels like there was a corporate decision uh, and f1 was kind of the casualty but i guess you know the only reason this is even a, a top line news story at the moment matt is because red bull are deciding where to go Christian Horner's been, you know, publicly saying that uh, Mercedes have said no, and he likes to sort of hint and imply that that's because, well, you know, we're their biggest competitor, etc. So the big bets really seem to be between doing their own operation and 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 talking to Renault again. And um, now you plugged the the race where you said you had that argument. Can you not plug them, please? Stupid, good quality journalism and like no. massive it promo funds. 
<laughs> no, they're all right. I like. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually a fan of the race of all the big ones that have popped up recently. Like, I think they're pretty decent. Uh, uh, but we've got the better podcast. Just saying. Oh, we do have the yeah. better podcast. There's no doubt about it. What I wanted to say, like Wolf is now saying, oh well, you know, it's all down to logistics. But but uh, Stevens, you made the argument earlier that the manufacturers hate the ERS, but the ERS is the reason we're north of fifty percent thermal efficiency. And if we were just to say, oh well, the simple thing would be let's just get rid of uh, sorry the ERS, the MGUH specifically. There you go. Uh, If we get rid of the MGUH, um, uh, Beatable already made the 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 point that. We're going to add more fuel. We're going to reduce efficiency. And that is going to be problematic because the manufacturers are going the opposite direction. The The answer for the manufacturer's short term has to be a hybrid engine. So what we need, so what the manufacturers will want is a formula that reflects it, but they can no longer afford or they do not want to continue to spend a half a million euros plus a year on development and get back, you know, 35 or 40 in terms of being paid for engines. And that's something that F1 as a sport may have to deal with. I can't help but feel like the only manufacturer that truly doesn't really care about MGUH would be Ferrari, though. Because mm-hmm, you can tell mm-hmm. Renault will be putting that on their yeah. on their little city cars. Yeah. Honda will love it. Mercedes are like technical gods, and they'll be making that to make their sports cars quicker. On a spaceship, and their- yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, exactly. Ferrari would just be like, well, we, you know, we ne- we'd never even made a hybrid car before Formula One forced us to. <laughs> so why would we even bother yeah. making it? Uh, maybe, I'm, maybe there is a Ferrari road car with an MGUH uh, element to it. Well, I think the new Mercedes hypercar will certainly feature it. And um, sure. I, I don't rem- I can't remember the designation of the last Porsche hypercar, but I seem to recall it was like a 1.3 liter V4 that put out 900 horsepower, and it was mostly due to the hybrid component on the engine. So however it comes about, whether it's a KERS or an MGUH or some other new thing that has not yet been sorted out, what the manufacturers will want is an inexpensive, they will want an inexpensive way to have an even more efficient engine because that is what they need going forward. You have to consider how can they make this beyond just sacking off MGUH. How can they make these engines more simple for 2026? They cannot go back to a naturally aspirated engine after this. It would be a huge step back, and the rest of the manufacturers yeah. will probably not get involved in it. They certainly won't bring in new manufacturers with it. So where on earth do you go from here? Especially when it's already limited to uh, to a certain brake horsepower and how much you can regen on a certain lap. Right in the chat room, Johnny B. Rotten, which I love, nice. says, I think the answer is to introduce a hard cost cap. And you should know that they are already implementing and talking about um, cost caps and financial restrictions on the engine side as well as on the team side. So that's that's already been taken care of. So the reason this is news, I suppose, is because from a Red Bull point of view, if they take over the, the Honda factory and... Which I think is the most likely option, but that's just this punter's this punter's view based on nothing in particular. If they do that, then they don't have to pour a lot more into research and development. They just have to spill out to buy basically the engine, and they can bring in their own team to start uh, to take over the kind of development plan that was going to go towards the end of 2021. Move that piece by piece over to Milton Keynes, and then look, we've just got the factory for maintaining. 
and building these engines when we need them, but we don't have to have a big R&D thing. And then we've got till 2026 to decide. So that's clearly why they're pushing for an engine freeze. And, and they're, they're, they're flexing. They're using their power. They're saying, we've got four cars. We've got a track. You need to listen to us and you need to at least take this seriously. Um, so it is fascinating. Uh, Matt, shall we, shall we move on from engines? What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think we could. Um, and maybe we should, um, I don't know. There have been several things in the news, uh, but we did have a race last weekend. We did. And and Renault did awful well, didn't they? So that's the next topic we're going to go to, is we will talk about uh, Renault versus Racing Point. We'll see who's top of the tree, best of the rest, um, as you will. But I'm going to take this opportunity, since it's a new show, to plug a thing. Now, we're very honest with you guys when it's a, a, a paid sponsorship or it's part of an advertising campaign. And I will say, at Missed Apex Podcast, we have, as we told the patrons on the patron-only stream, patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex to get access to that. We've turned down loads of advertising stuff. We have turned down gambling ad campaigns. We've turned down, you know, the special pills that make you, uh, you know, that, that change the context of reading Matt's wife's uh, sexy books. So we've, we've turned down those kind of things that don't fit with the brand. We're really lucky we've got two sponsors coming on board soon who want us to talk about things that we would have spoken about anyway, Matt. Like, no, no spoilers, but when we were recording the segment, which is a paid segment... I couldn't shut you up. We we had to deliver three minutes of it, and you were just like off on one like it was tech time. I've never had to edit Mr. Apex content so hard. Yeah, well, it's because it's because it, it is an interesting and fascinating yeah. and even darker art than tires, if I dare say. Yeah, no, it is. And I and, and so you'll you'll see these in the next few weeks, but uh please know that we curated these well and I feel like the next two upcoming ones are like a reward for having like even a tiniest bit of integrity i don't know where that integrity came from matt but if it does when they landed it does feel like okay we deserve that that's cool yeah whether by accident (laughs) or on purpose our integrity has earned us a cool thing and we will pretend like we did it on purpose but this this thing here that i want to plug is not is not a paid promotion this is just because i really really like these guys a guy called magnus greaves who um was formerly running uh, well, no, sorry, it's still running the organization. It was formerly known as Rev Magazine. It's now known as Race Weekend, R-A-C-W-K-N-D. Real good guy. He's been uh, he's been helping me try and push Mist Apex forward. I will say just yelling at me, basically, and just pointing out all the things I'm not doing to make Mist Apex, you know, a much bigger, more professional kind of organization. But what they have is they have a magazine that you can buy when you go to the track. So you go to the track, you go to the concession stand, you can buy your, your Mist Apex hat, and you can also pick up this magazine. Uh, and it's now called Race Weekend. It's the only magazine that explores every location that hosts a Formula One Grand Prix. Um, they had, they've got the official contract for the 2020 season to do that, and they're contracted to do that for 2021 as well. They, they sort of describe the F1 culture in those locations and uh, you know they, the, the unique Race Weekend experience for that place and there's really like tons and tons of images and stuff like that so very much like a coffee table magazine and this i think this kickstarter that they're kicking off with access to his historical archive of f1 photos will make the perfect christmas gift for an f1 fan so you know for your for your dad for your father-in-law for your aunt who's into f1 consider checking out race weekends kickstarter it's 25 quid I think for this issue and you get like a hundred proper res images. Um, and let's see. Um, oh, and I'll be in it. 
I'll be in it as well. Uh, Mr. Apex is contributing some written, don't worry, someone else will will fact check it for me. Uh, we'll be contributing some, some written uh, blogs about race weekend routine. So it's a lot of fun. It's race weekend, R-A-C-E-W-K-N-D. Um, good guys, uh, you will be supporting an independent F1 content creator and the link to it will be in the show notes for the podcast and the YouTube. We're getting better at that. So they definitely, definitely will be in there. Uh, let's see, what else can we say about them? Uh, it gives you an extra layer to enjoy the race when watching from home or to help you plan that once in a lifetime trip. Remember trips from the before time? We'll do it again. Well, they categorize all venues as either heritage circuits, classic revivals and party cities and the new wave. Then we break down each location, circuit, experience, city action and unique X factor. So check out that link and see if that is an easy coffee table present for the F1 fan in your life or you. See, that's not too painful. That's not too painful a plug, is it? Uh, Chris, you know, that's like very F1 relevant. It's got that if if you want to show people you're an F1 fan, they come into your house and then they can be like, oh, I'll thumb through this F1 magazine. And you're like, yeah, that's right. I'm the sort of person who buys glossy F1 content. Yeah, I love I love when we are able to to get the relevant stuff and it's not the kind of thing yeah. where the five second skip button is counting down and you're like, come on, come on, I want to skip toothpaste. Yeah, buy toothpaste. Yeah, yeah no, and 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 like I said, you know, they're genuinely genuinely great great team over there, and it's not twenty five quid; it's twenty five dollars, which is that's that's basically like space points. So there we go. Good. Now let's do the thing Matt said. Who's the best of the rest? Racing point Renault, and by best of the rest, we now mean the best of the rest after Hamilton, Bottas, and Verstappen, don't we? Uh, yeah, that would pretty much be the case. It's the race for the third podium spot. Uh, because we know that Ferrari is nowhere close, and our friend Alban is well, you know, has been afflicted. Let's just say with with a with a savagely, I hate to use the word inferior in relation to Red Bull chassis because Verstappen can drive it, but I think outside of him and maybe Hamilton and possibly Leclerc, I don't think anyone else would be any closer than Alban, in my opinion. And that may just be because Christian Horner said they're going to fix all the problems with the B-Spec chassis for next year, very recently in the media. But the argument is, has Renault surpassed? Because we all came into this season saying, hey, look, think what you will, think what you must about what Racing Point did. They have last year's Mercedes. They are going to crush the opposition. And the fact of the matter is, they didn't quite at the beginning of the year, and now suddenly... It's looking like that even if they meant to, they might not be able to. So my argument uh, might tether on the, the race result a little bit because I think had the late safety car not come out, I think we were very much looking at a Perez podium instead, weren't we? Especially when uh, Norris was taken out with a reliability issue. Perez was looking quite handy for that because no way was Ricardo yeah. hanging onto those tyres for that long, I think. So in a way, we can, at the very, very minimum, say that they're close enough for strategy to decide who comes out on top between them. And it certainly seems like Renault has made very good progress. There was a graphic, wasn't there, that said Renault has been the most improved um, team on the grid, uh, if I remember correctly. 
I am so unused to people actually looking at the links I put in the show notes. Stevens, you may have thrown me for a loop there. Uh, but, but yeah, there was an interesting graphic that accompanied the article this is based on uh, that demonstrated, especially across the last three or four races, uh, that, that Renault have, in fact, seized the initiative and are closest relative to Mercedes in terms of last year's qualifying to this year's qualifying. Because now we're talking qualifying times. Not not race times. I would argue a bit with you about Ricardo and and um, and Perez. No. I was not convinced based on the amount of time he had to make up that he would have enough tires left to get round Daniel. And it's also worth considering that had he simply pitted at the normal time instead of trying to take advantage of that virtual safety car, I don't believe there was any chance Perez would have been near him at the end. This is Perez we're talking about. He can carry a set of tires. And and still have good yeah, juice in them. Shut left. up, Matt. Um, you can you can cool down a little bit because I didn't click the link in your thing. I'm just good <laughs> at what I do. So you utter. So, oh, I, I probably better not say that word. Yeah. No, but um, certainly they're 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 close. They're close together now. It's very yeah. very exciting. And um, I you, you have to wonder. I mean, what if what if Lance was able to race? I know we consider him maybe second. Uh-huh. To, I mean. Let's consider as well. Perez was racing the big upgrade for the first yeah. time yeah. Uh, at Nurburgring. Um, so uh, honestly, I think it's going to be fascinating to see where it goes forward. And uh, what was Ricardo's big statement? That it, it's not a hit and miss car anymore. It sort mm. of just works everywhere. So my argument, I think, would be Matt. It just it feels like Renault. Are perform- I don't think there's a lot in it either way. But it feels like Renault are the better team at the moment. Like regardless of what the overall package is. Um, it, de- it definitely feels like Renault can get more out of it more reliably. For whatever reason, Racing Point have gone gone missing on Sundays. I don't think Perez has maximised. You know, I think I think actually Perez is just getting into his stride now again, again yet another season where it takes him far too long to get into it. And I think Perez is being slightly hobbled. I I don't think you know he's not being favoured anymore. Like he's clearly not being favoured anymore. The, the whole upgrade because Lance was ahead in the points. That's garbage. They would have found another reason to, to, to do that. But so all things considered, it's coming together for Renault and they're working better. Whereas Racing Point, I think, have some different priorities and some different settings. Both great teams. I wouldn't be surprised as well if Perez was a little hobbled by COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course. But, uh, I don't, obviously don't know how strongly mm-hmm. he got it, but there's a very good chance that he wasn't at 100% when he got back in the car uh, and maybe that did affect his performance ever so slightly. Yeah. Well, it's important to note that uh, the, the rear suspension upgrades that they were running um, significantly changed the performance characteristics of the car, but it's not the Mercedes rear end that they're planning to run next year. It was actually, um, it, it, and again, this comes from the, the same article that, that, that it was actually based on feedback they got from Hulkenberg at Silverstone. Yeah. But that yeah. then would have made the car drive very differently than the last time he drove it. Uh, but that said, you know, um, they're like, oh, well, Perez was sick and blah, blah, blah. But if we look at the other driver and Rena O'Connor, we can see that, that he has lost several finishes due to reliability and other issues that were outside of his control as well. Uh, so, so it's interesting. Racing Point right now are on 120 points. McLaren are on 116, and Renault are on 114 with how many races left? 
six races left. It's going to be very exciting. No, no one knows. What. It's got to be more. How, Chris, how many races are left? There's, there's like a quantum amount of races left, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a relative flux, a superposition. You can know when the races are, but you can't know how many there are left. Or you can know how many there are left, but not know when they are. What were we on? Round 11. There must be like seven. I, I, I think it's an 18 round, if oh, I remember rightly. Right. I thought it was 19. But six sounds right. Someone will tell us in the chat. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, to Matt's point. Well, I was going to say... Look at how much closer to Ricardo Esteban Ocon is now. Now that is a sign of Esteban getting more comfortable with the car. I know we've been saying he has not been on Ricardo's pace, but you know, aside from being out of F1 for a year, he is adapting to a new car. Always difficult. And um, I think the upgrades will help that as well. And we all know that the easier a car to drive is, uh, then it's easier to get close to your teammate. If, let's say, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas were driving the Williams, I don't think we'd be seeing them split by hundreds of a second in qualifying, for example. Okay. Well, the chat room was no help at all. They say 22, 17, 45, 113, 2. Bingo, 42 and 10, 1. Just stop asking oh, Exactly. <laughs> I agree, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> they you made agree. me laugh. They made me laugh. I like that. So what I like between these two teams is what you've got is you've got kind of like a raw potential with Racing Point. And but you've got Renault that are just a bit more comfortable in their own skin. Yeah, more comfortable. I think with Ricardo uh, still being the lead driver and having been at the team two years, and without having the main the major change in design strategy, which mm, ultimately yeah. is what I see hobbling yeah. Racing Point more than anything yeah. else. They're still trying to understand what they've done, and that's that's nothing on the copying thing. That's just, it's a brand new thing. They have no data for it whatsoever. So it's much more of a challenge at every track for them to try and get on top of it and extract uh, performance from it. And then and then, then you have mistakes like, you know, sending Lance out to wait too long in Mugello, mm, overheating the engine, the engine yeah. and then bang, you're done. Yeah. Well, there we go. So uh, what, what do we think? If there's six races left, who are we backing? I... It's hard to it's hard to get away from backing Renault. So we, you know, if we have Renault finishing top three, Chris, th- they'll be happy with that. They'll take that. I'll play. Uh, I'll play devil's advocate. I'll go with uh, McLaren. Okay, make the case. <laughs> uh, I think I think they have a very very good car. Uh, I think certainly for the first half of the year they've been able to outperform the supplier Renault, uh, and I can see them that that trend continuing even if Renault makes steps forward I can see McLaren just coming out on top I think crucially as well both drivers are absolutely on it uh, <laughs> right I'm gonna argue a little bit are they okay, are they on. on it I think you've got two drivers who are on the limit I think you've got two drivers who are absolutely like bit between the teeth have they they and the team got a hundred percent of their potential results well, well no because of the reliability for, for signs has Norris got 100% out of of his potential positions arguably no maybe he's had not the best starts he's had a couple of I mean the last race very very unlucky and nothing to do with him personally but you, you could argue that Norris is still he's a guy who's learning his trade still delivering good results but I don't I don't think that's peak Lando Norris yet it's not the ruthless consistency of Lewis Hamilton or like even or even like Ricardo who seems to be very close to maximum Ricardo every single race 
I don't think we're seeing, I think Lando's got quite a dynamic range in his own race day performance. Tell me if I'm wrong. I might be completely pulling that out of my butt. Lando is not at his potential, but that's what's so exciting about it. Like, man, if, if this is what he can do now, yeah. what can he do in a year, two years, and with a with a much more competitive car? But I would still maintain, yeah, Norris, this Norris and this McLaren is a a better combo at the moment than let's say Ocon in the Renault and Stroll in the Racing Point. And I think you throw Science in there as well. That's it's a really good mix, and it's going to be very tough for for Renault. To, to overturn that. Except for the fact that their new update isn't working. Oh. And that's going to make it very easy for both Renault and Raising Point <laughs> to, to, to wind up being very, very, very far ahead of them. I and was... with regards to Ocon, I do believe you're talking out of you both sides trig- of your mouth. You triggered it. Just 10 minutes ago, you said that he was practically on a par with Ricardo at the last race, which in fact, in qualifying, he was less than a tenth slower. And yeah, you know, I, I mean, I do feel like uh, relative to Albon at the Red Bull, I do feel like Ocon is is making that progress in, in terms of his performance that you would expect after a year out of the sport. Oh, what did you do, I Chris? Really, you triggered him. I was really hoping you weren't going to bring up the updates thing. The weird thing about that, that wrecks my argument. <laughs> the weird thing about it, though, was that Norris yeah. said that I prefer the old car and he's just as quick as science. Yeah, well, I mean, but this is what happens when your update doesn't work. You prefer the old car because it works better, because it's doing what you expect it to do and you have confidence in it. But relative to everybody else who's introduced updates that actually make their car faster, you start to lose out. And this is the last part of the season. So if they cannot figure it out, they will be, McLaren will be at a disadvantage relative to Renault and relative to Racing Point. Was still in contention for that Nurburgring podium, though, wasn't he? With Until Perez, he wasn't. With, yeah, but that wasn't his fault. That wasn't McLaren's fault. Okay, okay, right, right. This is so funny because you keep triggering trumpets. He did this a couple of weeks ago, and he's a, yeah. he's turning into like a massive, massive fanboy of Ocon, which I don't mind at all. I think it's brilliant. I think this is sport. Part of the beauty of sport is having a bit of uh, having a bit of a skin in the game, you know be it emotionally or with a little flutter. And as much as I wouldn't run gambling adverts, I, I love a little flutter because, you know, you're thinking out loud in monetary terms. And even if it's a pound bet, you know, and I get that like uh, two two pound and 10p return on a, a Perez top six finish. That's right. I still bet on top six because I'm, I'm old and that's how I think of success in F1. Having the skin in the game is what makes sport beautiful, which is why when like there's journalists who go, oh no, you know, I'm neutral. I just want what's good for the sport. I either think, A, you're lying because no one's like that, or B, you're missing out so much. When you got skin in the game, you stay in the game. But yeah, you don't baby. get a win unless you play in the game. Is this another Blinking Hamilton reference? Yes, it is. You and Philpott, we- right. I'm going to watch it, and then I'm going to tell you why it's terrible. Because I'm assuming if you and Phil Potter are massive no, fans of it and keep singing it, it's, it must no, you be are. bad. Oh, you're going to love it. You're going to love it You will so die much. when you see it. You will die. You will be a crying mess as In well. Fact, yeah, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to hear you have to come on here and eat what we like to call crow. When that case, I'm definitely not doing it. Because I don't want to be proved wrong. And I've been married long enough to not fall into that trap. I'm all right. This is silly. But the reason I was saying about uh, Ocon fanboyism from Matt is there was a bit of a, a rumour around Ocon and his race seat. So I think this is a great opportunity 
to go into a bit of silly season chat, but I want to plug something first. Could I plug the thing first, Chris? Come on, because you're involved yeah, in both of on, these. Okay, on, so the first one, the most exciting thing is Mist Apex are launching a karting series next season, right? And we will have a six-round series, and depending on COVID restrictions or whatever, karting is a sport you can turn up to as an individual competing in an outdoor event. You'll have your mask on uh, or your helmet on, so you're never really in contact with people. It's one of the safest things you can do. Buckmore Park, the venue we're doing most of these events at, uh, clean, uh, shut down everything for an hour between events so that they can clean everything and make sure they've got all the suits and helmets and whatever prepared. So, you know, it is one of the true, uh, you know, not like rugby, where you're in there like tickling each other's shoulders and going, hello, how are you guys? That's basically rugby. Uh, it's a properly socially distant event. Even Van Jean can't punt you enough to break social distancing in a go-kart. So some of the events will be just very low-key, turn up, we'll drive for the competition, and go-karts are great. And then some of those events will be the big party party where we fly Matt over, uh, we get Mrs. Spanners and Trumpets to have to, you know, to play afterwards too, have a big party and a big social. So those are in 2021, but round zero of that series is on the 6th of November. The 6th of November. It's the 18th of October. Now you turn up as an individual, right? The the link again is in the show notes, but it's mistapexpodcast.com forward slash karting. And you'll see the event there. It is limited. So getting quickly to avoid disappointment. Basically, the smaller events will only have up to 30 drivers, whereas our big events have like up to 50 drivers as well. If we get high demand, we'll see what we can do about raising that. But it's always good fun. It's always a good spirit of competition. There's a range of skills all the way from, you know, top drivers in their own race suits, all the way down to, shall we say, a more corporate, a more corporate standard of racing. And we always say it's up to the quick guys to make sure they don't smash into the the slow guys as well. So mistapexpodcast.com forward slash karting. Uh, find the event there. It's in the show notes too. If your area uh, stops you from traveling and you can't make it, we'll refund you. If there's some kind of circuit breaker, then we'll reschedule it and we'll postpone it as well. So come and consider racing with us. I know, Chris, I know you're trying to make plans to come with us as well. Uh, and uh, everyone's in that kind of uncertain time. But if we can get at least 17 people, it'll be a great day out. I'm very much looking forward to it, um, especially because I'm usually on the comms. Yeah, you're usually commentating. We, we don't really have the opportunity to, to stream this uh, no, anymore. So no. it's a rare opportunity for me to actually get some <laughs> driving time. So basically on the ones we broadcast, we will rip you out of that race seat and we'll put you back on the microphone. But the ones we're not Fair broadcasting, <laughs> the ones we're not broadcasting, we'll put you in. Now, because you're not the world's fastest carter. However, annoyingly, you are incredibly quick in a sim and I hate that. Yeah, it's been going. It didn't go well this week, I will say. But before this week, yeah. it was going quite well. So the other thing to, to plug very quickly, mistapexpodcast.com forward slash iRacing. It's round two of our iRacing championship that Chris Stevens commentates on as well. We broadcast that all live. It's four quid to enter. That is just covering costs, not making a million from our iRacing series. But it's round two at Imola, which is a similar track I really enjoy. So mistapexpodcast.com forward slash Imola, the only rule is that you're not a crashy nightmare. Apart from that, again, a massive range of skills from very, very quick to military medium. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. 
When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Righty-o, driver silly season then, Matt. It's um, it's not quite as straightforward as we thought. There's a lot of drivers in contract that are suddenly under threat. Um, and the, the one I wanted to start with is people are talking about Gasly to Renault to partner, to partner Alonso. So firstly, before Matt gets angry, Chris, do you think there's any credence to that? And would it make sense for Renault? Oh, would it make sense for Renault? Mm. It, to get rid of Ocon is a question mark, you know, would... Are we really going to have a debate about who's a better driver between Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon? They both have quite good cases. I think Gasly is more of the hype man at the moment. Yeah, not definitely. Just because of the Monza win, uh, but because Every he's race, been man. pretty yeah. pretty outstanding since he went back to Toro Rosso, uh, uh, Alpha Tauri, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it. It makes sense for Gasly to kind of get out of Red Bull. I don't really think he has a future with Red Bull. Agree. That that involves winning races. Does it make sense to be teammates with Fernando Alonso? <laughs> That's the big question. <laughs> you got, you've got to take it on. You've got to back yourself in this. If I was a young racing driver, is there the ideal thing you want to do is be a driver with a great reputation, but maybe not the ultimate, ultimate pace? That's why Kimi Raikkonen is the absolute ideal teammate. No disrespect to Kimi Raikkonen, but he's never had the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate pace at the very top, but he's got a great reputation. You beat Kimi Raikkonen, people think you're great. Well, do you know what? Between Ocon and Gasly, I would put more money on Gasly being able to beat Alonso than Ocon. Oh, you're just doing now. I think you're just doing it to be mean. But I agree. I also think <laughs> Alonso will beat Ocon. But Matt, you you can't deny that stock wise, Ocon's stock went down with having a year out. His stock has gone down with not being as competitive with Ricardo as you or anyone would have expected or wanted. And Gasly's stock. Is is on the up and up. He's 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 a he's a race winner, darn it. Until I think back to his stint at Red Bull. It's in the past, man. Stop living in and the past. When I think back to his, to, <laughs> when I think back to him being at a manufacturer team and how he did, and the fact that he got half a season and they axed him, I'm like, well, you know, he obviously is very, very, very comfortable at Toro Rosso, but 
he hasn't shown in a team above that level that he does have what it takes. And Ocon, by comparison, over the course of the season, has reduced his deficit in qualifying to Daniel to less than a tenth at the last race and has consistently, when the car has cooperated, brought brought it in for a, a fairly high points-paying position without too much fuss, which is pretty remarkable given how much the cars change from year to year. And then, of course, we can go back to his qualifying record against Perez, if you want to go back to Forest India, and look at how he did, and look at the fact that were it not for some very lucky collisions for Perez, he also would have taken him that second year, that full year that he had at Force India. I mean, that is definitely an argument that can be made. I think the potential in Ocon is there. I think everybody who was disappointed is right because he came back not performing at the level that he left. But I also don't think that is a surprise given the nature and complexity of your modern Formula One car. Hasn't Albon's stint at Red Bull completely recontextualized Gasly's time at Red Bull as well. Do you not think I know that Albon has done a, a better job than Gasly was doing, but do we think that that is that's enough to warrant to say Gasly should never be promoted to a, a manufacturer or a top team ever again? No, I, I don't think that at all. But relatively speaking, in the same car, which would be the season where they each drove half a season, it's hard to argue that Gasly did better than Albon. And so what I think you are seeing is in a car that suits him at a team where he has a lot of confidence, Gasly performs exceedingly well. The question would be what happens if the Renault is not the way he likes it and it gets developed the way Fernando Alonso likes, which is maybe not to his liking. How will he do there versus Ocon, who is now a known quantity at Renault? And here I'm going to get here. I'm going to I will admit, I will argue a little unfairly. If I were Renault, yeah. I don't want two new drivers next year. Yeah, I want at least one driver who's been in the car this year as a known quantity for my development. And so to me, that, that the Gasly to Renault is like dead on arrival because no way do they want two brand new drivers in a car that they're still developing, especially given the floor changes and front wing changes that are going to have to occur between now and next year. Well, Chris, good insight or desperation from an Ocken fanboy? You decide. <laughs> the, the thing about the drivers is fair. I can't really argue that too much. Um, Fernando will have done... At all. <laughs> 100Ks in the current car with that filming day they just did at uh, Barcelona. So that's pretty much the only experience he's going to have, or maybe in the, the sim. I don't know if Fernando's the kind of driver who says, I'm too important to be wasting my time in a simulator probably not but um well it's not I that chris still... he's just old you have to forget you forget because you're <laughs> you're very young what will you leave us this time i can make reference to that was cat stevens but, but but you have to forget that drivers of like my kind of age and generation they would not have grown up with all that sims like even lewis hamilton is not like mega impressed with the sims and sim racing they they think of it all about you know track time yeah, I, I think what the teams are using will be a little bit more yeah, sophisticated. Yeah. All, all but... I'm saying is uh, drivers like Alonso and Raikkonen and Hamilton, they're not just being obstinate and like lazy or like Billy Big Nuts. They're, it's just not part of their fabric. Whereas uh, Norris and Verstappen, that's been their bread and butter as well. 
Yeah, okay. for sure. Okay, good. We've got more silly season stuff we could go into. What do you think? Or you yeah. want to say more things? You say more things. You go for it. No, I, I well, I mm. was happy to, to move on to okay. Haas. Really? Is that where you wanted to go? Are you sure you didn't want to go to Williams? Are you sure you didn't want to go to Alfa Romeo? Are you sure you're not in line for the Red Bull seat? Are you Sergio Perez? <laughs> They've seen all my sim racing yeah. stuff and they want to give me a run. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But yeah, well, you can talk about well, the Haas lineup. And there was a rumour somewhere that um, it's already been decided they're just not talking about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of Perez fans w- would be looking at Haas as like the sure thing almost, you know? Well... This could affect uh, Perez, depending on which way Haas go slash have gone yet to announce, uh, is that Nikita Mazepin, the Formula 2 driver, has been very strongly linked to that really? all of a sudden. Bringing, brings, uh, brings money? Brings a fair chunk of change, Ooh, if you, you believe said the a rumor word then. That he <laughs> is the... The the driver in the on the F two grid that's flying in chartered private jets, uh, if you believe those uh, those rumors, yeah, uh, then uh, he certainly does seem like a very attractive offer, especially when it, I know last season in F two was a disaster for him, but this season's gone very very well indeed. Has it multiple race winner? Yeah, okay, yeah. but everyone's talking about yeah. Schumacher and Eilert. Where does yes. Mazepan fit in all that? He doesn't. He isn't really in. If I remember rightly, he isn't in a a junior uh, a junior team with a with any uh, team at the moment. Um, he's running with High Tech um, okay. this season, um, and uh, alongside Luca Giotto, very experienced in Formula Two, and contextualized, it's their first season back in F two as a team, and so they've done a very very good job. And Mazepin is honestly a, a consistent front runner in that championship now. Okay, and with the money he brings, yeah. Super license? Very attractive. Uh, th- that's a the good question. He was, so two years ago, he was runner-up in uh, what was then GP3 okay. and is now F3. So, so probably. So there's a good chance. Yeah. There's a good chance. And, um, you know, I think we're, we're, we're kind of talking about, was Gene Haas going to pull his funding? Wouldn't matter because Mazepin can just yeah. dunk the change in. You're like, here you go, Gene. I can come, I can take it from here. This is it with these new like billionaires like Stroll and like uh, Latifi and stuff. Like Matt, they could they could make a bid for like F1 itself, and people are wondering about what investment will they put in the team. Like these guys can just buy the sport if they wanted. Most likely, they'd use other people's money, but that's the kind of clout and financial power they have. Yeah, well, I mean the the fun thing with Haas is that they're now admitting that I mean boy you talk about a uh you talk about flirting at the bar they <laughs> they have a short list of 10 drivers that they might put into the seats for next year i assume two of them are the current drivers i assume two more would be Perez and Hulkenberg you mentioned Mazepan yeah. that's five we've got two Ferrari juniors Schwartzman and Eilat because i think that Schumacher's probably earmarked for Alfa Romeo yeah. That's seven. There's still apparently three more people floating around with enough money yeah. to, to, to be considered for that seat. And given the fact they've done zero development on the car this year, I think it's really it's an open goal. It's basically who wants to put who wants to basically be a partner in Haas and is a decent enough driver. You're going to get that seat. And I'm I will agree with Stevens that I think Mazapan is a decent enough driver that that he would be he would not be a negative for the yeah. team so along the, with Perez 
So look, they, they're courting 17 drivers. Okay, I just want to point out Sauber did it first. So Haas aren't doing anything new and cool. That's all. The thing about it, Haas have got a lot of different ways they can go. They can take a, a Mazepin or a Perez, keep someone like Magnussen. I think Grosjean, we won't see him on the grid next year. Um, keep Magnussen so you have that point of reference, like we talked about with, with Renault. Um, or they can just say, look, it hasn't been working so far. Let's just get into something completely new and go in a, in a new direction. And I think it's very likely that someone like Callum Eilat, um is going to get left behind. Uh, even if he somehow won the, the title this year, he he might get just stuck with a, a test and reserve role because um, as far as we, you know, we understand it, Schumacher, so long as he finishes in the top three in the F2, will be in the Alfa Romeo next year. And they want really? to keep Kimi Raikkonen for another year. Well, I, so, didn't, I didn't know that was so... Hang on, sorry. I didn't know that that was so like a solid thing. So we think it's Raikkonen and Schumacher next next year in F1. I think that's the most likely scenario yeah, okay. we'll see at, at Alfa Romeo. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, people like Schwartzman probably needs another year um, in F2 um, anyway. But then people like Eilat, who is, in my opinion, ready for F1, will probably mm. end up testing reserve at, at Alfa or something. Formula and then we'll F- maybe yeah. replace Kimi after a year. Formula E. No, I uh, look, Formula E is full of so many great drivers, but I don't want... Right. If I say it's a waste of his talent, that just really dumbs Formula E down. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Not the right word at all, but he should be in F1. That, in broadcasting terms, that is very much a, a hospital pass where I've passed yeah. it to you with a big running back coming in to take you out. <laughs> Apologies for that, Chris. Uh, Matt. Yeah, well, it, it always gets back to the money. And unlike the argument I would make at Red Bull or at Renault, who are now up or near the top of the field. Haas is only not last because they've managed to score some points, mostly through being clever and circumstance. So if I were Haas and I could get two incredibly well-paying drivers in for next season, then I might consider ditching both of my drivers to have enough money to really properly compete when the regulation, when the new regulations come in, uh, for, for 20, uh, for 2021, the 21, 22, 22, 23, whenever yeah. it is, they come back in. You're gonna have you're gonna have drivers who've had a full year. They've not developed the car at all this year, so it's it's not the same issue. I think going forward, that it might be if you're up near the front of the field, where that's going to matter a lot, lot more. You give your drivers a year, no pressure on them. You start to develop the car the way you want with you with already spending most of your money towards the following year when the regulations change and then you have the money to really be competitive Hmm. which is what has mostly been lacking from Haas once the um, entirely legitimate and above board rich energy deal (laughs) fell through oh rich energy oh do we miss them no oh terribly Uh, unless they unless they want to sponsor us then no you know I mean I'm for sale as long as you're not like you know, uh, sexy pills or gambling, any an energy drink that would be fine. Well, we could we'd that we'd do that. We'd run Rich Energy. We'd get a lift in their helicopter, so that'd be all right. Oh, I'll take a Red Bull sponsorship any day of the week. I got wings, man. I would too. I would too. Uh, the the one that's been most interesting and the most sensational that's been doing the rounds has been from PlanetF1.com. I'm I'm definitely treating this as as rumor and speculation, and that's valid. That's fine. You're allowed to speculate. You're allowed to take a little bit of information and go, we've got this information, this small bit of information that we think is true 
or we have a good idea is true, or we have a source is true. And from that, we are then extrapolating this this theory or this speculation. Far too often, people really come down on outlets uh, for, for going, well, you can't know that. That's just speculation. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, spe- that's part of media. That's part of, like, punditry. You're allowed to speculate as long as you're honest about what is fact and what is not. Um, but the rumour that, that they were propagating, if you like, was that Paris to Williams was a real option. So let, let's treat that as if it is a real option. It would mean George Russell out, which feels like would be criminal. That would be a horrible, horrible waste. As much as I want to see Perez continue in F1, George Russell out of Williams with nowhere to go feels bad, Chris. I can't make sense of that, to be honest. Mm. And obviously, maybe they know something I don't. They probably do. Um, but I cannot understand why Williams would take Perez over this Mercedes junior driver when yeah, they're yeah. paying <laughs> the money to not only take him and engines, engines <laughs> yeah. as well. So what is Perez bringing to the table that tops that? Uh, I don't know. And even like, okay, you know, like I'm the biggest Perez fan on, on, the, on the panel. Even I would think that would not be the great move for Doralton. You would, you, would, you would think if you could get rid of Latifi and bring Perez in and survive on that model, then that kind of makes sense. Perez supporting like an up-and-coming superstar, Chris, that sounds like a good pairing. If, if Doralton are in a position to, to lose the pay drivers mm. now, and you know me, big Latifi fan, I think he's an incredibly really? hard worker. Oh, this is he's new information. Not, look, look, he, <laughs> I, he is far from the quickest driver in the world. We like this is no secret, but he works so hard at what he does. And he's also such an affable guy. If you were to speak to him, you would have no idea that he is the the son of a billionaire. He doesn't flaunt that money. You know, I was talking about with Mazepin and the private jets. Mm. None of that. Okay. Wait a minute. With does he does he Steve. wear red corduroy trousers or mustard colored jeans? Because that is the sure yeah. sign of a Rupert in training. I don't think so. <laughs> Not that I've seen anyway, but uh, I think, you know, if if they were in a position to have two properly strong drivers in there, you know, money is no option, then that is the, the first sign to, to really start moving forward. I think it was the number one thing that Doralton had to start doing. Yeah. You know, job one, lose the pay drivers. Well, it depends. You know, it depends what we don't know anything about them. But, Matt, we do have a history in F1 occasionally of investor groups coming in and the investors want to see a return more than they want to see necessarily success on the track. And we have some reasonably recent examples of that where you've seen a team bought by a group of investors and then slowly the performance drops and those investors fall away as they get their return. Yeah, it's the thing with Williams... And and the thing with Latifi, I mean, because really, right? I agree. A Mercedes supplying a Mercedes engine supply is not to be laughed at, and the idea that they would ditch Russell, who guarantees that supply, mm. I, I don't know. I'm not buying it. Not even not even close. It doesn't but make sense. Yeah, that Perez yeah. might show up with the same amount of money as Latifi, is more plausible. But if I'm Perez. Mm. Hans is already further up the grid, and yeah. I have ties to Ferrari to begin with. Well, well, this is it. And frankly... I think you're right, Matt. Sorry, mate. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. I just got excited with your no, no, point there, which is that for Perez, you, do you want to go and really go toe-to-toe with, like, 
people what people are rating as one of the biggest up and coming stars in F one, or would you rather go to Haas and maybe you know go and get more points than Grosjean or Magnussen or something like that? Or who did you say was going to go to Haas, um, Chris? Who was Mazepin. your Mazepin? Yeah, if I'm Perez, totally further up the grid, go beat Mazepin. Look at your future options. Wait for signs to get kicked out of Ferrari. I I think I made this comment last time on the show, but I'll make it again because I I truly believe it. It's that Perez is kind of wasted in Formula One now. He, he should not just be tootling around Journeyman-ing. in the midfield mm. with a hope of getting yeah. Or like oh maybe I can get some points. That's a waste of his talent. Go and do IndyCar and go and fight mm, for some maybe. wins yeah. there, which he could do easily. And he might yeah do at Red Bull. Although I think oh, yeah, they no. might prefer Hulkenberg. Stop. I don't oh, want it. It's still it's too it much for still out there. It is still out there that Alvin is done for after this season. It, and that Hulkenberg or Perez maybe. I mean, it's, it is the rumor mill. It's not even like we begin to understand it. Yeah. But, but, but it also the fact that, and you know how irritated I get because I do feel like the whole Alvin thing was just a media led parade from yeah, the beginning. Yeah, you think hatchet job you've, you think maybe, yeah. Abs- absolutely, yeah. And, and you know, uh, like we can talk about the reasonableness of that at some other date, but I think that is a fact. But regardless, it's hard to argue that Albon isn't close to first, is the farthest away of the teams at the sharp end of the field of any of, of, of the other people he's going to be compared to, including Ocon. So quickly, um... and. Oh, God. Oh, sorry, mate. I thought you'd finished. You paused for so long. I thought you'd finished. I didn't mean to talk over you. You, you continue. No, it's okay. You're probably agreeing with me again, which is unusual, and therefore I will allow. So uh, in the chat, CPB1 says, uh, Perez Mazapan, I'm calling it for Haas. And I just wanted to say hello to our live chat. And I wanted to do the thing that I got teased for a bit the last time I did it uh, on the show. But it makes sense. Please, if you're watching the YouTube version, can you like and subscribe? <laughs> Hi. Hi, it's your boy Spanners. Can like and subscribe. Do all do all those things, please. Uh, but it really does help. So click the subscribe button and um, and like the videos. Like it takes a second. You're literally watching it. Like it. It does help us. Um, and it may, helps us move up. Like be searchable. And if you're listening to the audio version, I know some people go to the website and just press play on the um, embedded player we have there, and that's great. But that's for us to reach new audience. For you, make sure you subscribe on your podcast app. Actually. Sit there and subscribe and tell your friends. And if you really want to support us, patreon.com forward slash Mr. Apex. Go there and you'll see what you get for the tiers on there. But mostly it's a warm, fluffy feeling that you're supporting us. But do you know what, Chris? When it comes to Albon, in my head, I've written him off because I think at this point it's a uh, a miracle. It's a miracle if he stays at, at Red Bull now. Okay, let's say they give the seat to, to Hulkenberg. They've replaced the guy who struggled to get a podium with a guy who hasn't actually been on an F1 podium. Or they go with a Perez, whoever they go for. They will not get as close to Max mm. as, as anyone else. Whoever you put in that car is going to struggle against Max. Fact, period. Unless it's Lewis Hamilton, right? Then also, didn't marco say unless we take somebody from the red bull family that's it for the young driver program so yuki Tsunoda will in fact be the last red bull driver to come through the ranks and make it into f1 when he gets put in AlphaTauri next year and then that'll be it done so the problem i have with that honestly is that if i'm red bull 
it's not a question of will Hulkenberg take the podium. It's a question of can Hulkenberg finish in qualifying around three tenths off of Verstappen versus Albon being half a second off of Verstappen. And can Hulkenberg drive through a race without crashing into his sister team and blah, blah, and yak, yak. Yeah. Everything, everything that I defended Albon for last <laughs> yes. week, in fact. But it's fair. Yeah. But basically, but, can, but, can you but, do what I Albon... I mean, it's not yeah. an unreasonable criticism. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Can you, can you avoid doing the things that have brought Albon to everyone's attention in a, in a negative light? Matt, then, Chris. And, and if, I'm, if I'm Red Bull, if I was just looking at drivers available... I would, at this point, I would, I would say that Perez is the best because he will bring money to the team, which is rich as Mattachitz is. More money is always better. And, uh, and he's got more current experience that, you know, Hulkenberg has done one or two drives this season. Perez has been in the sport nonstop. So I think he would be the best choice if I was going to replace Alman. All right. Look, I'll happily eat my words if he gets <laughs> anywhere near Max. If he gets within half a second with him on a consistent basis, I will happily eat my words. But who honestly believes that anyone in that car right now can do a better job? Aside from what happened in Nürburgring, where he's clattering okay, and okay. locking up tyres over left, right, and centre, which was just. Stupid. This is a nightmare. I, I get your point. Maybe beating Max is too high a bar for most of the grid at the moment. But if I'm a Perez fan, why do I want him to go to Red Bull? Because I think he will improve his reputation. He won't qualify right up there with Max Verstappen. I really don't think he will. But he will be so far in the missed apex, uh, in missed apex, in the Mercedes <laughs> pit window. I obviously think, look at that delusions of grandeur. He, Perez will be in the Mercedes pit window and he will be a massive, massive pain in the butt. He will aid Verstappen because it will no longer be two versus one. He can do that. And from a personal glory point of view, there's race wins on offer for Perez. There's podiums on offer for Perez. And he's right up at the top of the sport where he should be, even if it is a slightly supporting role to Max Verstappen. We had this exact conversation a year ago about Gasly, about how he wasn't in the Mercedes pit window, right? Yeah. So... But they didn't bring in a top driver, did they, Chris? They brought in a rookie. They didn't bring in a yeah, top driver to rookie. do that. Can I uh, also just divert the conversation slightly? Because the chat room has brought up Yuri Vips, um, okay. actually another Red Bull-backed um, driver, who is very, very, very good, don't get me wrong, but uh, he's had a very disrupted year, and he needs a year in either Super Formula or F2 next year before he's F1 potential. Uh, there you go, Matt. Quick one in the chat room. Someone says, uh, JR says Perez is the next Kimi. No, you shut up, JR. Kimmy, who won a race how many years ago at Ferrari? Yeah, no. Go on, Last Matt, one sorry. they won? You Maybe? Your point. I don't know. I don't remember. But I, I would bring up, in counterpoint, Stevens, that, that the Brazil race showed that Alvin, in the previous iteration of Red Bull, really did have the potential to win races. This year's car, they made massive changes. And if you look at that same chart that you referenced earlier that I see that I put in the actual notes, lazy. You see that Red Bull is almost seven tenths slower mm. than last year. That's how dreadfully awful, and I don't mean awful in the long term sense, but I mean in terms of this season. It might be a good change overall they made, but it clearly set them back quite a bit in terms of the drivability of the car and the confidence of the drivers. So I don't think you can look at Albon's performance this year. I think you need to look at it last year if we're going to be talking about Gasly and so on and so forth. I don't know how many drivers could do a 
that much better than Albon, frankly, given this car. I, I would take a look at one of his points. Are we forgetting that he should have won the first race of this season had he not tangled with Lewis Hamilton? Ah, but he did. You mean Lewis race. Hamilton tangled with him? Actually, yeah, that's true. That was, yeah, it was a little bit Lewis's fault. Yeah, but, but still, whatever. Okay, he, but he did. You know, I definitely like. If even if that's not his fault, he definitely could have done to a, 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 more to avoid that. But we, you know, that's the risk reward. That's the risk. Don't give me this. It, he's only in his second year. Don't give me that. F one isn't a crash. It's not a nursery. It's not a birthing pod for F one drivers. It's the pinnacle of motorsport. Stop saying he's only in his second year. You get a year to be a rookie. What do you mean, stroll? I just mean, like, you know, Lance got plenty of time to acclimate to his surroundings. Because Lance is a Kajillia Benillionaire. That's why. Okay, and that shouldn't happen, by the way. Whatever. Anyway, let's look at this chart. This was from Gary Anderson. I'll give you a quick rundown of the stats All right, that this displayed. This is qualifying percentages, better or worse. Williams, 1.3% better. Or is that, is that seconds or percentages, Matt? What's that? Um, it does say percent on the percent chart. Percent of quality time. Percent. So, okay. So let's just say that Williams were the best improvers with a 1.3. Racing Point have improved by 1%. Renault, half a percent. Mercedes have improved. Um, one of the Alphas. Which one's that? Alpha Romeo? Romeo. Alpha. No, no, it's not. It's Alpha Tauri. No, no, no. That's Alpha Tauri. Yeah, Alpha Tauri and McLaren. So those six have I improved from last that. year. And the ones who've not improved, unsurprisingly, the three Ferrari-powered cars, uh, the other Alpha has and Ferrari, and then Red Bull. I was surprised. I did not realize that. I didn't realize Red Bull were down on qualifying times from last year. Mm. Yep, they are. Okay. They, they installed a new trick front suspension, and it made the car nigh on undrivable. Yeah. And they've been spending the whole season trying to fix it, and they've made some some very decent progress if you look at the last few races. Um, but I, I believe that you know, Christian Horner's basically admitted that pretty much next year's car will be a B spec car that will actually be decent and will will sort the problems that they 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 they've come up that they've come upon this year. Oh my goodness! This time next year, Rodgers will be millionaires. All right, promises, promises, Red Bull. You've been teasing us for three or four years that you're going to come and take this fight for Mercedes. Come on, come on, come and deliver. Right, our race reviews have been getting along. There's been a mixed opinion. Um, I've been trying to keep them to one hour 45. Failed last week. Uh, it was just under the two hour mark. Some people like that because it's just more content and that's that's great. Some people are like, oh, well, it no longer fits into my routine. I'm mindful of that. Uh, I'm listening to that criticism. Um, we are still, I still aim to start wrapping things up at one minute, one hour 30. But look, put it this way. After one hour 30, we go fully into just like we're relaxed. The The cups of tea that we've been drinking out of these mugs that is definitely tea have started to kick in. There's <laughs> Matt waving a whiskey around. So the last half an hour is just the awards and we're having fun. It's the same color. But we start with a tightish plan that covers the first hour, first hour and a half if it's a race review. And then, do you know what? We're all just genuinely friends at that point. So we're just hanging out. You know, we've, we've exhausted the show notes and we're just hanging out doing our awards and doing a bit of, bit of online content creation. So sorry um, if some of the shows have edged a little bit long for you. Although I did make a pact to myself that we'd make the, the news shows that little bit shorter. So with that in mind, we shall forego our big analysis of the big Lewis Hamilton debate. Oh my good, oh my good, but he only had 7.2 
race is per season, so he, he's not really the best. Yeah, all right. Let's talk to me in three years when he's got 10 titles and 120 race wins or whatever. We don't need to get into uh, all of that. And um, Jackie Stewart said some stuff, which is his want to do. It's up to him. Instead, I'm going to go to Chris Stevens. I'm going to say, tell me about Portimao. I'm excited now, you know, because Mugello was way better than I thought. And some of the yeah, races man. that we weren't expecting were way better than I thought. And, I, and I've just realized that with tracks, I'm just not open-minded enough. I'm not open in my, open, open-minded enough. I'm going to try and be more open-minded. And uh, Portimao, I'm excited. Portimao, brilliant circuit. It's been great for every other championship that's raced on it, mainly uh, prototype racing in the European Le Mans series. That's where I've seen most of the action from um, a few years. Was it 2009 um, when uh, GP2 went back there? And it was just amazing. And it's such a great track. And there's, there's all this elevation change and it's high speed. And it's just it's, it's like another Mugello, frankly, in, uh, but in Portugal. And I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic. And the big thing about it, you know, we were talking about Nürburgring. Oh, they haven't yeah. raced yes. here in seven years. Yes. They've never raced a Grand Prix here since, like, what, the 90s? Maybe even further back is where Senna got his first win back in 85. That's the last big thing I can remember happening at Portimao. And they they tested the, the 09 regulation changes here. Um, and that is honestly about the, the crux of it. Really? That's all the running they've had. It's going to be a huge dive into the unknown. Okay, Trumpets, why were you losing it earlier? I'm assuming it was chat room related. Uh, it was chat room related, <laughs> and we'll get to that okay. in the uh, comment okay, of the okay, week okay. section. Um, Ricardo, Leclerc, and Botas all have raced here in GP2. Mm-hmm. GPT, GP2. GPT2. I got so used to calling it F2, I can't say the old <laughs> way right anymore. It's very sad. Nothing to do with the whiskey, I'm sure. Um, they're bringing the hardest tires, the one, two, three. Why? Boom. Why are they doing that? Because they have no idea and they don't want them all to go boom. Well, but that's what we want. We want unpredictability. Okay. So it's going to be a Hamilton driving to the win with three Mm. tires. So it's going to be a one stopper. That was, that was fun. So that's it. One stopper then. Who knows? It's going to be, isn't it? What's the chances it's going to rip up the very hardest tires to the point it's got to be a two stopper? Pirelli are conservative at the best of times. Like you say, they don't want Pirelli branded tyres just exploding for no reason. I, I have to go back and correct something I said about Senna in, in 85 because that was Estoril, which is a different, oh, okay. different track. <gasps> did, you ju- was- did you just conflate Spain and Portugal? Or is Estoril in Portugal? No, Estoril's in Portugal. Oh, is it? Okay, then I just I, did I that. Hope. I oh, hope, man, okay. but no, it's no. Uh, Portimao was opened as far as you know. It is, yeah. Portimao was opened in 08. Oh, really okay. stupid mistake I've just made. So no, sorry about right. the goof. But um, see, this everyone thinks of Portimao as like this really old school circuit, and it's got a very old school style. Mm-hmm. But it's a very modern, modern venue. The elevation change and and the turn, the way the turns and the elevation change work together. First of all, it's aesthetically beautiful. Like, mm. like really the pictures of the corners that I've seen thus far, it's just, it's mind blowing. And I, I will tell you now, based on having gone to a U.S. open golf tournament and seeing greens on in person and then seeing them on TV, that what you see on TV is like a 10th of what the drivers are actually experiencing yeah. when they're driving around the circuit. Okay. So, um, chat room are asking if we've got any predictions. I, I am strongly of the belief that the more time 
you give uh, this this current crop of F1 drivers and teams to practice, the more Lewis Hamilton will rise to the top. And I, I think he can continue to get the best out of, like, well, uh, Karun Chanduk keeps going on about Bottas being the P1 champion, as if that's a thing. The, the way to, to hobble Lewis Hamilton is not because he's particularly bad uh, at getting to grips with the circuit. It's just that it's more equal. So there's more variation and there's more chance of somebody being on his level. You keep giving him hour after hour after hour to go around that track, he's going to find the very best out of it. So I, I think the more prep you have and the more used to a circuit you are, the more Lewis Hamilton is going to to dominate and stretch away. So a brand new track, hopefully with a bit of like rain to cancel a session like at Nürburgring. Uh, I, I think that's the best chance at, at, at clawing back some of the Mercedes and the Lewis Hamilton advantage. That's the, the, the only chance Bottas has. So I'm going to predict a slightly more competitive race at the top with Max Verstappen and Bottas having a bit more of a chance in qualifying to get ahead of Lewis Hamilton. In race trim, Hamilton trumps Bottas nearly every time because Bottas gets to the end of the first stint of the tyres and is weak. If they've brought the hardest possible tyres and those tyres are lasting forever, that deficit disappears again. So I think this is a good chance for Bottas to be competitive, Chris. I really hope that we see the Bottas we saw at Nürburgring, the feisty Valtteri Bottas, who was shoved out at turn one and said, doesn't matter what you do, Lewis, I'm going to keep my foot in it and I'm just going to shove you off the road straight back again. But hopefully without a costly error that gives Hamilton the lead again. If you fire three rounds a minute and you stand, the French will run away. We know you can fire three rounds a minute, Valtteri, but can you stand? I also think... Sorry. <laughs> I just... I, I didn't it's get sharp. any of that. I'm it's so sharp. sorry. It's sharp. <laughs> Sean oh, Bean. too young, I imagine. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Antonio Felix da Costa will do his demo run and Red Bull will be like, oh my God, he's so amazing. Let's put him in the car. And he goes out and astonishingly wins the Grand Prix. Okay. Chris Him and Stevens. Burn. Okay. Mm, okay. Also a history of the Red Bull. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Chris Stevens. No. Not a contender for the seat. <laughs> Christopher Stevens. Christopher Abraham Stevens Esquire. Full name to you. You are on Twitter as at Chris on Racing. I have respect for you. Despite your ridiculously young years and despite the fact that you claim to be busy when you're like 17 and you have no responsibilities and you've just got a job and you still think you're super busy, I definitely can't wait. I really hope I know you when you have your first kid, just so I will put up with you long enough to see you have your first kid, just so I can do this one massive, I told you so, when you go, okay, I I really, I wasn't, I wasn't busy. I was never busy. And as I promised you earlier this week, I will not have kids just to spite you. I love that. I absolutely love that. At Chris on Racing on Twitter, go and give him a follow. And also, Chris, you know, it's been a massive frustration for me this year that we've not been able to have you on for the race reviews. But because, you know, your career in motorsport PR uh, necessarily means that when cars are racing, you're at your busiest. Uh, But we've had periods like that. We've had periods where we've lost Matt for months at a time and you've really, you know, held this show together as as the co-host. So, you know, you're still a massive important part of the show even though we've not been able to get you on for the race reviews that we've wanted. Oh, that's so nice. it's been nice tonight, hasn't it? Having the the original crew 
back together. The top three, I, I consider it. It's nice not to have Alex yeah. banging his microphone. Exactly. Or, or Kyle being all like, all like, oh, I'm so edgy and cool. Yeah. yeah. Getting or, his bearded dragon to exactly. make an appearance. Or, or like, any oh, of those. Or, or, or Brad screaming at his cats. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> um, Matt Trumpets, at Matt PT55. Matt, two rumpets who specifically requests that that's how I describe him every single time. He says, if you don't say trumpets with enough use, I'm not coming on. Diggity. That's what you say. And in exactly that act. Yep. Exactly. As you know from the Remain Indoors podcast, I can do a perfect <laughs> American accent. Remain Indoors podcast every Thursday, 2 p.m. Join us live. Oh, yeah. You should all go listen to his American accent at the end of the show. Because, no, it was at the oh beginning. My. It's in the intro. It was in I the beginning? D- yeah. I did the full intro in a full perfect American accent. I'm so awesome at that. I'm so pleased with how that went. Uh, I, I'm entertained by your definition of perfect, but please continue. At MattPT55 on Twitter. At MattPT55 on Instagram. Matt Trumpets on Facebook. And you can email Matt. Uh, MattPT55 at gmail.com as well. You can always email the show at MissedApexPodcast at gmail.com. MissedApexPodcast at gmail.com. Um, there's an award, isn't there, called Comment of the Week? I mean, we could do that. It would require me knowing which button to press. There it is. Comment of the week. All right, we've got three minutes to get out of here, Matt. Who's your contenders for comment of the week? Well, I don't know if this will violate the rule for compliments, but I'm going to give it a go because it's also an insult to another show. Oh, okay, good. Stuart Neal. Missed Apex has the handsome American. What does the race have? I mean, like insider knowledge and like people in the paddock, but. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> come on, really. Compared yeah, yeah, to a yeah. handsome American, how much is that really worth? Exactly. Um, they don't have your hair to age ratio, which is in- absolutely incredible. So Stuart's in the running. Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. Uh, Christopher Fonseca, F1 teams being nasty and paying their suppliers, quote, in exposure. Which, oh. like, personally, yeah, feel that. I have a musician wife, so don't talk to me about that. My wife's next job could be inside there. She just doesn't know it yet because she spent her whole career dedicated to entertaining people and like sacrificed everything from a tiny, tiny age, as did her parents. No, you shut up. Whoa, triggered. Uh, Jeez. Sorry about that. A bit. Mm. Surprise. Uh, Carl Eisgren, just tell Spanners the musical Hamilton is about Lewis. Oh. It's totally about Lewis, dude. I'll check that out. Go watch it. Has he got his new his new music in it? He's the new music he teased on Insta? Yeah, oh, I'll get yeah you. absolutely. I'll check that out. I'd better uh, not be ultimately disappointed by that nugget and that way of getting me to watch it. Uh, Vermins is in with O'Cont, believe Alonzo is getting yet another, another, another chance. Oh, redemption story from the rising. I like Alonzo, by the way. J- just in case anyone thinks that like this show is anti-Alonzo, I'm fully an Alonzo fan for next season. And it'll be me and Matt arguing quite a lot, I think. I... Uh, Gloating, I think, but okay. <laughs> Let's see. Beat uh, Schiller's, I has no idea who's going to drive next year. Very punny. Indeed. Um, and Sydney Thompson, there's still about 39 Canadian billionaires that aren't in F1 yet. Can they not just have their own league? Canadian F1. <laughs> ah, who's got the most money? Oh, in that case, you're the winner. Okay, well done, buddy. I'm not your buddy friend. I'm not your friend, guy. And that's the F1... Canadian League. Oh, Lord. There comes that accent again. And finally, we'll give Christopher Fonseca one more bite at the apple with, I assume Haas 10 Drivers also includes 
Hamilton, Alonzo, and a reincarnated Jim Clark. All right, who's the winner, Matt? Ah, that's it. You know, you were not as helpful as you normally are, so I'm just going to choose. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's it going to be? There's still about 39 Canadian billionaires who aren't in F1 yet. We could write a song about it, isn't it? How many, how many billionaires did he say? 39. There and are Sydney Townsend, by the way. Congratulations. billionaires in Canada. Comment of the week. That's a fact. They're all racing drivers. There we go. That was, Chris, that was from an old-timey song called 10,000, uh, 10 billion bicycles in Beijing. Oh, I thought it was like a 10 green bottles thing. No, 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 no. There are 39 billionaires like. in Canada. All right, I'm going to stop singing now. It's not doing our brand any good. But we have loads of things to plug this weekend. If you're on Android, just swipe over to the right in your podcast player. If you're on YouTube, uh, look in the, show, the description. Uh, if you're on Apple, I don't know. I guess you, you pay extra money to Apple and they show you the show notes. I'm not sure how Apple works. But we will have the links in for the things we've talked about this week. Primarily, go and check out the Kickstarter for Race Weekend magazine. Race, WKND, $25, perfect Christmas present to go uh, to go to your F1 relatives. It'll be coffee table. It's got great glossy pictures and stuff. And you get the satisfaction of knowing that the guys behind it are not knobheads. Like, they're, they're pretty cool guys. Magnus Greaves has been pushing this apex forward and been really helping me uh, get my act together, quite frankly. And we'll be writing some pieces uh, for that magazine too so race weekend that will be in the links as well come karting with us at buckmore park on the 6th of november it's a friday afternoon you're only working from home anyway you can just just set an auto reply just like i'm just say i'm super busy definitely doing all my work but really come karting with us it's all socially distant you're in your helmet or a face mask you're an individual entering an outdoor event and we'll refund you if the restrictions change to mean that you cannot uh travel and um yeah it'll be it'll be fun it's race it's round zero of next year's missed apex karting series mistapexpodcast.com forward slash karting same url but forward slash iRacing. four pounds if you want to come and enter a round two of our formula renault challenge that's all broadcast with chris stevens and as always please if you want to help us push forward survive thrive and go up against the big boys that have emerged. We have big plans for 2021. As soon as they let us out of the shed, back into the real world, we have people behind us that are willing to uh, support us through contacts, through introductions. We're starting to very, very slowly make our way into the fabric of F1 media, enough to at least try. And if you want to help that effort, one of the best ways to help that is a micropayment on patreon.com, patreon.com forward slash missed apex that link also in the show notes until we see you next week i think for our portamau portamau chris portamo portamau am i saying it right portamau portamau grand prix race review until we see you then please do work hard be kind and have fun this was missed apex podcast tell your friends it's all right it's not bad I mean, we don't, we don't like do clever, like sweary, sweary, like for F1 sake podcast, Chris. Maybe we should just do that. Maybe we should just be like, oh, for Jeff's sake, Stevens. Oh, you're the Jeff and worst. And like Kimmy's, he's just a Jeff and Jeffrey. Jeff and Jeff. We should do that. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. 
But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.